Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 387 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about why so many bad line calls exist in the game of tennis, and also, probably more importantly, what practically you can do about it in the middle of a match so that it doesn't totally kill your performance and take your mind off of your game. We're going to give some examples of bad line calls and also take a little bit of a dive into the professional game as well and look at the changes and the evolution of the professional game and line calls. And first, we're going to look at a a few recent examples. I'm in a little bit of a unique position to talk about this, A, because I've been in tennis for most of my life in general. I've been on a court with tennis players or watching tennis players for probably multiple tens of thousands of hours. Um, And I've seen millions of tennis line calls, some really bad ones. And and so I, I have a little bit of a unique perspective as well, not only because I've been in the game of tennis, but because I have been doing videos for over a dozen years. And many of those videos have been match play. So I've had the benefit of viewing not only myself play tennis in slow motion replay, but also dozens of other players that have played on my different channels on YouTube. And I've seen how they've handled line calls. I've seen mistakes made. And, and so I've gotten, I've been able to witness like in a very detailed nuanced manner, how this happens and why it happens. So just a little bit of context about me. So, so here are two practical recent examples. One of them was made by Scott. If you watch our videos on YouTube, you're probably familiar with him. His nickname on the channel is Angry Old Man, and he's played a bunch of matches on my YouTube channel. And he recently played a match against a youngster, kid, you know, kid, air quotes, in his 20s, early 20s, great athlete, great player. Scott was kind of had his back against the wall a little bit in this match, and uh, a shot got hit down the line. His opponent went for a winner. Scott didn't go for the ball and just kind of stood there and watched it. It was one of those shots where it was like, well, this is either going to be a winner or it's going to be out. It's going to be close, and I'm just going to stand here and watch it because he just he, there's no, he had no chance of getting to it, so he stood there and watched it. It landed. He called it out right away. And I actually happened to be commentating on this match with another player up in the viewing area, and we both immediately thought it was a bad call. <laughs> both of us, not to throw Scott under the bus, but uh, just this is this is the situation. And me and another pro watching were like, "Wow, I don't, I don't think that was the right call." Scott was so confident in the moment that he told the camera there in the corner, "Oh, the replay is going to totally, you know, vindicate me." You know, it, it, yeah, it was close, and I, it, it was kind of an inopportune time for a close call. But but I, I know the replay is going to show that I'm right, and he was wrong. It was the it was the bad it was the wrong call. It it was in by several inches, and he called it out. Okay, second scenario, and it, we're we're going to start to pull things together here. But I just want to give some context first. Second scenario was made by another friend of mine. His name is Ben. He goes by most exhausting player on the internet. He's a four or five player with very unconventional game. He's become kind of an infamous character in tennis YouTube. He wins a ton and he made a bad call in a match about a year ago. The ball was 
probably five inches inside the line, four or five inches inside the line, well inside the line. He called it out. And again, because he was playing on YouTube and there was slow motion replay, it was easy to see that it was, in fact, the wrong call. Now, what do these two situations have in common? I'm using these for a reason. These matches weren't played in a tournament or a league or there wasn't any money on the line. There weren't professional matches. So there wasn't like a trophy on the line or prize money or anything. They were played in friendly environments where both players were there to have a good time, but also to compete and win. And, you know, they, both players or all four players in, in each of the uh, the cases combined were there to try to win as well. But this wasn't like college tennis for like NCAA championships. This wasn't professional tennis for a big check or anything like that. And also both players knew that they were being recorded. <laughs> they knew that tens of thousands of tennis fans would see the outcome all across the internet. They're both very experienced players, both very competitive. And lastly, what's kind of most important for me, that this is a really important one, they're both incredibly kind, honest, and gracious human beings, both on the court and on the court. And I, I know that. I chose these examples purposefully because I know these are really good people. I've spent dozens of hours with Ben and probably hundreds of hours, maybe thousands with Scott playing matches and uh, playing matches with him, playing matches against him, playing on the same state league team together. He's traveled with me to Hawaii, to Costa Rica to coach with me and assist in my coaching. And so I know both of these guys really well. And they're two of the most passionate players about the game of tennis. They both love and respect the game of of tennis tremendously. They're both competitive, but they're also very fair-minded people. They're very just good, decent people. I've spent a lot of time with both of them. I know them both very well. So I can say that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So in spite of all those things, they both made two of the worst calls that I've seen on the internet, like on YouTube, you know, tennis. Not the worst calls I've ever seen in person. In person, I've seen some bad calls, but they, they, we didn't have the benefit of like hindsight. Like these, I know for sure they're good people and I know for sure they were wrong and I know for sure they thought they were right in the moment. So how, how, is, how do all of those things coexist? How, how are all of those things true at the same time? How is that possible? Well, we'll come back around to that in a second. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about professional line judges, which I'm recording this in kind of mid-2023 and kind of slowly but surely, it looks like the professional line judges are are kind of becoming a thing of the past at, I think, most of the majors now, maybe even some ATP 1000 events and WTA 1000 events, they're just relying completely on the computer. But they're still there, but just not for certain events and the biggest ones. The thing is, like up until this point, for decades and generations, we've had to rely on human beings, and they're actually trained to do it. I went through and I just I did a little bit of reading and research on like what does it take to be one of the people on TV? I, I, as a tennis fan, everybody kind of always bags on the <laughs> on the line judges, and they're just kind of like the the. Um, 
uh, what's the best phrase? They're kind of the, the people that everybody likes to, to make fun of a little bit. Like, oh, like they're so bad at their job and oh, they're just going to mess it up again. And it's just kind of, we don't really notice them when they do positive things. It's just kind of, they're there when they mess things up, right? <laughs> just kind of the, the, the position, unfortunately, that they tend to be in. Like they're supposed to get it right. Like that's their job, right? It's just, a, they got one thing to do, stand there, call the lines. They're, they're, they're trained. It's expected that they get it right the vast majority of the time. So to be one of those people, there's an application that has to be signed by here in the United States by USDA sectional chairman. Then you have to take a written test before any training just to pass like a general proficiency test and your knowledge about the game and rules and stuff like that. <clears throat> you have to have 20-20 vision, either corrected or or uncorrected. So you can have glasses or contacts, but you need to demonstrate that you have 20-20 vision. You have to attend an annual training course specifically for these line judges. And if you want to climb the the ranks and go up from like a 250 level, you know, line judge to a WTA or ATP 500 and then 1000 and then maybe grand slams, you have to complete increasingly difficult certifications for for higher and higher levels. And so let's also consider, in in addition to that training, those people that up until very recently have been totally, we've been totally dependent on them in competitive, like professional tennis, they're getting paid no matter who wins and loses. (laughs) So it doesn't matter to them, like, if like Serena wins this point or if Sharapova like wins this point, oh man, I really want like sure. You would hope that they're not biased, right? And they just want to get it right. Like they don't really care who wins and loses. They don't get paid more if one player wins or if the other player loses. They just want to get it right, especially since they're on TV and there's a lot riding on it. That's number two. If they get it wrong, everybody's going to hate them. <laughs> and there's huge pressure on them to make sure it's right because the last thing they want is to be that line judge from that match where they totally screwed it up and it like p- potentially like hinged the match on the other direction or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. So that's number two. They're only responsible for calling one line on the court and they're standing there perfectly positioned to view that one line. They don't have to call all the other lines, just that one line. I'm talking about the actual line, not the chair umpire, but the line judges that are out there just to call that they're assigned to one line. They get to position themselves in that one spot to watch that one line They're standing perfectly still and steady to maintain their visual focus. Their heart rate is calm and relaxed. They're just standing there. They're not under any physical challenge or stress or duress. I mean, sure, you know, there's some pressure on them. But my point is they're not running around chasing the ball and having to call the lines. So let me repeat all that real real quick. They're getting paid the same no matter who wins. Doesn't matter who wins. If they get it wrong, everybody's going to throw them under the bus and hate them. They're only responsible for one line on the court. They're perfectly positioned for that one line. They're standing perfectly still and steady to maintain their focus. And physically, they're calm and relaxed and they're just hanging out. In spite of all the training, all the preparation, and being in a perfectly ideal position with no physical stress, they still get calls wrong all the time. Please, just... just digest that for a second. Do me a favor and just reflect on that. They have all of those benefits, all of that training, and they still get calls wrong. 
Now, I did a little bit of research on this, a little bit of digging on this, and you can look up this this article. It was published by NPR in late 2022, and it was a, it was an article about the U.S. Open and how the human line judges are being replaced. So, from that article, according to Sean Carey, who oversees officiating for the USTA, human officials, and this this is just what they say publicly, human officials got it wrong. 25% of the time at the U.S. Open when a player challenged. So 25% of the time when a player challenged a call, these officials with all that training and all those benefits were wrong. And that's just 25% of the time when there was a challenge. Those are, those are just the ones when somebody actually said, no, let's take a look at that. There, we've all watched tennis. You know, if you've watched a lot of tennis on TV, then you know that there's lots of cases where there's a close call, but a challenge isn't made, and it was the wrong call. Right? We, we've all seen that happen. So that's just the time. Those are just the times when it was challenged. Twenty five percent of the time, this professional <laughs> who has all the benefits possible gets it wrong. So why are there so many bad line calls? Well, in short, because being right is really, really hard, even in perfect conditions, in the heat of the moment. So let's take out that list. So if you are a competitive tennis player and you're out there battling for your own team, for your own self, like it's a tournament or it's a league match or whatever, you it matters to you very deeply who wins and loses, okay? Like you have that subconscious like bias baked in immediately and you're also responsible for all the lines all of them if especially if you're a singles player if you're a doubles player you're still responsible for all the lines on your side of the court but you know you have a little bit of help but in singles every line every bounce you're the furthest thing from the truth perfectly positioned to view every line Half of the lines at any given point in time, you are not in a good position to view and have a great perspective on whether it's in or out. You're not standing still watching the ball. You're running around, which makes your vision dramatically compromised compared to just standing there watching the ball. And your heart rate's elevated. Your whole biology and physiology is like totally cranked up. All of those things are all mixing together. It's hard even without all of those things. Even without all of those things, close calls, you're going to get wrong 25% of the time, (laughs) even when you're getting paid to do it, even without all of those challenges in the way. So in the heat of the moment, when our win or loss is on the line and we're positioned in an awkward spot and we're on the run and our heart rate is super high, we're breathing heavy, it's super easy to get it wrong, incredibly easy to get it wrong. And that's true for all of us. No matter how nice we are, no matter how honest we are, no matter how fair of a person we are, we all make bad line calls because it's really hard. <laughs> can, you, can you just take a moment, please? Just take a moment and just kind of let that sink in a little bit, please? Because we're, we're going to get around to the solution here in a second. But before we get around to it, like you have to really kind of believe that. And if, if you don't believe that, if you're the type of tennis fan and you're, or you're the, t- you know, the sports fan, I don't mean tennis now, but just like sports fans in general that are just so dramatic about everything and like every little 
mistake they're hypercritical of and like, oh, I could have, I could have kicked that, you know, field goal, or um, I could have, I could have made that, you know, uh, free kick, you know, in soccer or in European football or whatever. Oh man, it totally dropped it. That that ref is blind. I totally messed that up. Please, if you're that type of person in the middle of a tennis match, it can only escalate the situation. It can only cause you to view the other person as a villain. It can only cause you to view them as malicious. It can only cause you to view them as incompetent or fill in the blank, right? Like a million different names that like we can call them. But if we come to the table with like a with a deep appreciation and understanding of how hard it is to make the right call, then automatically we're coming to the those difficult sticky situations viewing the situations through totally different lens with much better likelihood that we could actually have a positive outcome for ourselves. So now let's let's address that being said. I know some of you out I can I can feel it. Some of you out there are saying, "Well, yeah, Ian, but what about the people that cheat on purpose?" Does deliberate cheating happen in just normal everyday tennis matches? Yes. It does happen. There are people out there who aren't fair. There are people out there who aren't honest, who are not nice people that just want to win. And maybe they're fooling themselves into thinking it's the right call, or maybe it's actually totally malicious. Does that happen? It does happen. Okay. Like, I'm not trying to say it doesn't happen. It does. But is it most of the bad calls that happen? Absolutely not. The large, large majority of bad calls that happen are honest mistakes including yours. Yes, you've made bad line calls, I promise you, and including mine. I've definitely made bad line calls too. It happens to all of us because it really is that challenging. And so even if you're a good person, you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to be a good sport and a fair competitor and all those other things, you're still going to miss it part of the time. And that's the vast majority of bad calls. Does cheating happen? Yes. Is it a small minority of the bad calls that happen? Yes. So here's the solution in the moment. When you think you just got cheated and it was the wrong call, I've got five steps here. And to be honest, like it might totally be done by step one, but, but here's a suggestion. Here's five suggestions. Okay. Like you don't have to do all these steps, but here's five suggestions on different things that you can bring to mind. Number one, remind yourself that you very well may be wrong about what you think you just saw. Now, keep in mind, like your opponent probably just did the best they could from their end of the court, 40, 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 feet away from where you're standing. They just tried their best and they may have gotten it wrong, but it might also be the right call. And from your perspective, again, for like minimum 40 feet away, it's 40 feet from the net to the baseline. So you're obviously on your side of the court. So, well, it's it's not minimum. I guess if the ball landed like by the sideline right in front of you. So it might only be, (laughs) technically might only be a yard away. I was just thinking about the baseline. But let's just say, you know, the ball's 20, 30, 40 feet away from where you are. Is it possible that you're wrong about it and they actually got the call right? 
that's that's totally possible. Like that, that's that's definitely it could happen, right? So how about just let it go? You you actually might be wrong, and they might be right. So you might as well just let it go. Number two, remind yourself, even if they are wrong about it, it probably wasn't malicious. The vast majority of the time, it was just an honest mistake. They're not trying to cheat you. They they really think they saw something. And even if they're wrong, they're, they're, it's not something they're trying to like steal this match from you. So you might as well just let it go. Number three, remind yourself that if you fixate on the call that just happened, there's a very large likelihood that your play will decline. You're certainly not going to play better tennis <laughs> because you're ruminating on how much you how bad you just got cheated, you know, 30 seconds ago and then 5 minutes ago and then 10 minutes ago and then half an hour ago. If that's still where your mind is, there's like a 99% chance that you'll be playing worse tennis and not better tennis. So, again, let it go. <laughs> and now, number 4, give yourself something super tangible and practical to focus on in the very next point. So it's not just enough to tell yourself, don't focus. You know, you've probably heard the cliche, don't think about a pink elephant. And of course, that's what you think about. It's not enough to just tell yourself, it's not a big deal, like don't focus on it. Give yourself something to transition your focus to. So it might be your target for your serve on the next point. It might be the pattern that you intend to play once the point gets started. It might be, I, I got to remember to pick on their, their backhand, whatever. Give yourself something really practical and tangible to f- focus on and give yourself a task to give your mental energy to for the next 30 seconds. And finally, move forward and focus on your best tennis. And continue, however many times it takes, continue refocusing on what can I do next? What can I do next? That's practical, that's tangible, that's positive, that's going to give me a better chance of winning. Because you know, and I know, that allowing your mind to continue bouncing back to how bad that call was will not give you a better chance of winning, period. So here's those five steps again. Use as many of them as you need. Remind yourself, you may very well be wrong about it and not your opponent. Remind yourself, even if they are wrong, it probably wasn't malicious. Remind yourself that if you fixate on the call, your play will decline. And then give yourself something super tangible and practical to focus on and then move forward and continue refocusing on tangible, practical things. Hopefully this episode gave you some a little bit deeper perspective or uh, a little bit different lens to view this through. It, it, listen, I'm super competitive, so I get it. Like I, I want to win just as badly as anybody else out there. So I totally understand getting triggered by it. But I've seen I've seen this escalate so many times and and I don't I just don't think there's enough understanding of A, how hard it is, or B, how often honest mistakes happen. And so hopefully just hearing a little bit of perspective on that helps to defuse some of this tension and anxiety and like escalation around these situations for you. And then it, even if that's not enough, just bottom line, like very practically understanding, like I got to shift my focus to something 
positive or else there's no way I'm going to play good tennis, that in and of itself is super, super important just as far as your performance is, is concerned. So hopefully all together, this gives you a little bit of relief when it comes to, to line calls, helps you move on. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get cheated sometimes. That's part of the game. It happens on your side of the court too. So hopefully this helps you let it go, play better tennis, and be more successful. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.